You're listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au. So as you all know, we're, we're still doing the characteristics of God and um, that series. It's It's been a long series so far. I think it's coming up to about a year since we started this. So it's um, it's amazing the character of God and how deep that is and, and um, just who our God really is. And yet he's every one of these characteristics, but none outweigh the other. So it's a pretty incredible sort of theory. So we're, we're going to keep pushing through. We've got a few more to go after this as well, but hopefully it's, it's going well and, and you're growing in a deeper level of knowledge of, of our God and who we serve and um, who exactly he is. As you know, that's that's the reason why we're doing this, is so that we can know our God to a deeper level, that we're able to worship him on that deeper level and through that ultimately being, uh, being able to bring him glory through the way that we live our lives and bring glory to his name, what ultimately we're called to do. So, to, so today we're going to be looking at the truthfulness of God. The fact that God's character is truth should give us confidence in his word of who he is and, and what he does. As those people that we honestly trust in this world, we gain confidence that when they give us their word, it means something. Um, unlike our human society where where our, um, our trust of people is, is severely damaged, it's, as a society we struggle to trust people that we don't know as we know as part of our society people lie to get in front they lie to get the best of them there's there's massive terms of it there's there's mega lies and then we all know those little white lies that that won't hurt they're only small only fractionally untrue but you know should be right mate but that's the problem with our nature lying is part of our sinful dna it's part of who we are as fallen beings if we look at the first original sin we see the devil devil's approach in getting us to sin is to challenge the very truthfulness of God's word and who God is. So to start start today off, that's where we're going to start. We're going to look at in Genesis 3, 1 to 13, what says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat from the, any tree in the garden? And, who, and the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat from the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will surely, you will not surely die. For God knows what you, what you eat of your eyes will be opened. And you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes. And the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate she also gave to her husband who was with her and he ate then their eyes were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together to make themselves loincloth and they heard the sound of the lord walking in the garden cool of the day and the man and his wife hid themselves in the presence of the lord among the trees of the garden but the lord called to the man and said where are you and he said i heard you in the garden and i was afraid because i was naked and i hid myself he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree I commanded you not to eat? The man, the man said, the woman gave, gave it to me. Uh, she gave me the fruit to eat and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is it have you done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So we see in the original, the first sin, we, we see Satan challenges God's truth by saying, did he really say that you can't eat from the fruit 
um, and surely you won't die. He challenges God's truth with lies and deceit, and we fall for it. We lean and grab, lean in and grab that lie, even if it's only a small white lie of did he really say that. As a result, we fall away from God. From being deceived by a lie that that challenged the truthfulness of God, and from that moment, we have had doubts about the truthfulness of God. As God is pure truth, and all we see in our nature and everyone around us is lies, we fall into a dangerous trap of putting God into the same boat, and that's extremely wrong of us. We fall into the trap of, because all we see in our society is lies and people lying to get in front, we think that that's the way God acts as well, but it's extremely wrong, and we need to need to learn that God is 100% truth and put him above all. As God is pure truth, he cannot lie. In the original sin, in the Garden of Eden, we, we believed a lie, and due to that, we fell. We now have a culture of unbelief, and we see only untruthfulness as the way of life. It goes day in, day out. We see the same trend of lying to see. In the end, we see lying passed down from generation to generation. It's, it's the world's model of how to get through life, but it's not God's model. Through unbelief, we lack the confidence in people, and who... And internally, it can rub off in our walk with God. We, we lose confidence in God and what God has said. From the garden, we were deceived in who God was, and that is 100% truth. We lack faith a lot of the time, and a lot of, a lot of the things we should have faith for and know God can do, we struggle to believe fully. We need to, instead of seeing a world that doesn't believe in anything and has no faith in others, we need to have an image of what our lives should, need to get back to. We need to use God as a reference point of truth. To be able to live our lives in truth, the only reference point we truly have is God. He is the reference point we need to set our lives on. He is the only one true source of truth that is pure and untainted from this world. As the world tells us not to believe and drags us down, we lose confidence, we struggle to see the truth. As every time we lie, lie, we are um, dishonest, we are undermining the very character of God as God is truth. But when we see God as a perfect perfect truth, we gain confidence in him. Every time we lie, we undermine the character of God, and God is truth. But when we see that God is perfect truth, we gain confidence in him and in his word and in salvation of all from God and all the perfect truth in our lives. This is perfect truth. We need to set our lives on our lives on and live the way that we've been called to live our lives. So back to that little white lie I mentioned before of she'll be right. It doesn't really matter. It's only fractionally untrue. She'll be right. And I'm sure God will look past it. But that's not right. God being 100% truth, he can't stand liars. It's a sin that is compromising to his character. As it says in Proverbs 12:22. lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. Harsh words, but yet they're filled with truth. When we lie, we compromise God's character. When we are saved, we need to be representing God and the image of the perfect truth. We are created in his image and we are created to reflect who he is once we are saved. And that is perfect truth. It's vital that we see God as perfect truth to the way that we live our lives. And that's that little white lie is an issue and left unchecked, we're in trouble doesn't matter how big the lie is or how small it is, it's still compromising to the character of God and who he is. So going through that, let's let's look at the diff- uh, definition of truth and what it, what it means. So if you look up the definition of truth, 
Truth is anything that conforms reality. Truth is anything that conforms reality so that when we acknowledge God as truthful, we are doing more than affirming that he's just honest and a good guy. We're affirming that God defines reality. But what is reality? A lot of people in this world will question that and try to change their opinion of what actual reality is. Actual reality, for, for an example, is the temperature that water changes state. It's the temperature that it freezes. It's the temperature that it boils. That doesn't change. That is pure reality and something that we can measure. It's the real, reality that Mount Everest is a certain height. That's not changing. It's the reality is that's what it actually is. And all these things we can measure. But the definition of reality, when it's defined by God, goes deeper than that. God being God, God being the God of truth, means that, that he knows all good things and everything was put into place from the beginning. Like we have looked at um, before, that at the start, God put together everything. There's a plan A, a perfect plan A put out by perfect knowledge. And through that perfect knowledge of all things is perfect truth. At the start, start, he formed the world and all the reality in perfect truth of what actual things actually are. But simple reality is that we recognize and we can measure it. It's not where God's reality ends. God goes beyond what humans are capable of measuring. For example, us as humans are really bad at measuring the negative effects that sin has on our lives. And against God, that white lie conundrum. But in God, in his faithfulness and his truth, he's given us his word that can point to the effects of, of sin in our lives. And the punishment for sin is death. And we're terrible at measuring, measuring the neglect to measure the positive effect of living righteous lives. And yet God in his faithfulness and truth points us to the eternal value of living a righteous life. God is the source and the possessor of all knowledge. Can't be less than truthful as we found out that um, if God wasn't truthful, if he was lie, he would cease to be God. As we found out that, um, that God can't change in character as he's an unchanging God. But as the source and the as the source of all truth and all things that are true, God is the origin of all truth. And from that truth is conformed reality. Titus 1, 1 to 2 says, Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth, which according with godliness in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before all ages began. We see in Titus, Paul referred to the faith of God as elect directly by the knowledge of truth. We will get there a bit later, a bit later on in the preach, but the first part I want to focus on is the first reference that God never lies. And that's, and that's saying that he is truth. But the last point is that God had promised before the ages, meaning that through this reality comes from God's knowledge, all things and all perfect truth, God has declared what is good and is truly good. And what he has declared bad is truly bad. So we can see the effects of God's truth, that through him at the start, he knew every result and then every knowledge and every wisdom to put together every event that would take place. And through everything God created, he created in truth. And that is reality now. He looked at every outcome possible and formed a perfect plan A, how everything would pan out. And out of that conform reality, what is good and moral, what is bad and sinful, 
And out of the truth of God, everything was put into place. Every promise, every event, every word, every action he would take. And God being the origin of truth, everything he created is perfect truth. Everything not created by God is not true. It is false form of truth. Every true thing comes from God. Everything else brings destruction. God's truthfulness makes him the only pure truth there is. He's the only God of this world. All other gods have been created by by men. That makes them untrue, a false sense of reality. He is the only true God, which all things he is made to bring him glory to the power of his will. 1 Corinthians 8, 6. Yet for us there is one God, the Father from whom all things and for whom we exist. And the one Lord Jesus Christ, through him, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. God is truth. He is the origin of truth. He is the determiner of truth. What God defines as truth will eternally, will be eternally true. Never changing because he is the origin of truth. All God's actions and words declare truth and God is incapable of lying. Hebrews 6, 13 and 20 says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater to whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I'll bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all the disputes an oath is finally confirmed. So when God desired to show more convincingly the heirs of the promise to the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So two unchangeable things in it is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as sure as steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus was gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Mishnah We see in Hebrews again that God cannot, can't lie. In verse 18, we also see that God is unchangeable, which we've already covered as one of his characteristics. And if he is unchangeable and if he never lies, that means that he's saying he is truth and unchanging. If he was truth at the start, then God being unchanging means that he's still perfect truth. He hasn't changed. We also see this section that God's word is true. As well, we see him swear by his name on himself. We also see the verse of the author explain that people swear by something greater than themselves to create an oath. We see this in the American justice system. When people are being judged, when they when they take the stand, they, they swear by the Bible, the word of God, to tell the truth and nothing but the truth. It's a fairly amazing acknowledgement for, for our world that they see the word of God and God being pure truth. So the fact that there was no one greater than God and he swore by his own name, the covenant of Abraham shows the truthfulness of God. There's no greater truth than God. And we can trust in God's word as he is a covenant keeper. As we see, all his promises have come true and always come true. Not like us as humans, we break promises all the time. All the time, actually, we are covenant breakers by nature. But God's character is a covenant keeper and, we'll, and that will never change. Promises and covenants he makes are entirely true and eternally true. As we see in James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithful, faithless, he remains faithful, for he can't deny himself. 
God will never break a covenant or his word as he can't be untrue or lie, as he can't deny himself. He can't be untrue to who he is or his character. He is always faithful. His word will never cease to keep. His word, no, he'll never cease to keep his word. He no, he'll no longer be God if he changed and constantly lied to get his way. That's not who God is. And he can't, as we know, God can't go against or deny himself. He can't go against that character. He can't change. He is truth. And we see it again in his character. Numbers 23, 19. God is not man that he should lie or son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? In this truth, we take hope in that God, in that all God's promises and words for our lives are true. And we need to take faith in this and we need to have an, Im- need to have an image of God that he is truth. He never lies. As this can be hard to compare, as we went through before, our fallen nature, we struggle to have confidence in people and trust in people because we are a lying race. But we need to change that. We need to have uh, confidence in God, that he is a true God, that he's truthful in all his words and all things he does. We need to rest in that confidence. In John 14, 1 to 12, it says, let your hearts not be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If if it not if it were not for so, would I not told you that I go prepare a place for you? And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will take you to myself, and where I am, you may also be. And you know the way where I am. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except for me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, do you know him, and have you seen him? Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and that is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still don't know, do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do not be, do you not believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say, I, I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me and does work in me. Believe me that I am the, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe on the accounts of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do these works that I do. And greater works than this will he do because I'm going to my father. We see in scripture again, we see in this portion of scripture that our human nature is to doubt the truthfulness of God. Here we see Philip with Jesus. He's just said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. And if you've um, seen me, you know the father. Straight away, Philip's first response is show us the father and that'll be enough for us without understanding what Christ has just said. Christ has just told him that he is the truth and the life and the way and that, that he's seen him seen the Father. And straight away that doubt nature comes into Philip and asks the question of just show us the Father. Yet Jesus in truth shows him again what he means. He teaches in truth. This scripture also confirms that God is truth and Jesus says he is the way, the truth and the light. As we know, as it says in John, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God confirms that Jesus is the word and the word is from God and God and is God. What means that Jesus saying he's the way, the truth and the life is confirming that God is truth. 
And he has come to show us the way through truth, bringing life to a dark and hopeless world. Then we also see in John 1, 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Talks again about Christ coming in grace and truth. These scriptures show us that Christ came to show us the way and the truth to the world that has been smothered in darkness. Christ came to show us the truth and has led us in truth. Jesus came to save us. But not only that, he came to show us the way to live. He came to show us truth in a corrupt and sinful world. Jesus came to shine light into truth, that we would know the truth. Jesus' mission was truth. And we, and that we would know truth from being torn away from the truth in the garden, leading to doubt. Jesus came to show us the truth that brings life. If God is true and all God says is true, then God's plan for salvation is true. No matter how much or how bad we have sinned, Christ's grace is more than enough to cover our sins for those who believe in him. Satan, who we've learned, is the king of lies. He's proved this in the garden. And he is always trying to bring you, bring your attention away and cast lack of confidence in the king of truths and the plan for our life. We need to be focused on Christ, the king of truth. Otherwise, we fall into the trap of having lack of confidence in God's promises. And one of the greatest lies that's that's um is that the devil uses that limits limits us is that God's grace isn't enough to cover your sins. It's one thing that we've had discussions with many Christians where they, they don't think that God has enough grace to cover their sins. But the best weapon we have against the devil's lies is the word of God. We need to know the Bible. Um we can combat, combat the lies of the enemy so and so we can discern what is true and false. The word of God is our greatest asset in the battle. As we know, the word of God is the sword of the spirit. For with this, we can conquer what is false and take a stand in what is true. For example, Ephesians 2, 5. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. God's grace is always enough for his salvation. If forever, for those who believe you were chosen, even when you were dead in your trespasses, God chose you at the dawn of time. His true plan of salvation for your life was born from day dot. That will never be taken away by him. And more, it's more than enough to cover any sins that you might have, no matter what lies the devil tells you. If you look in the world today, people love to counterfeit things and sell them as the real thing. For example, if you look up the look up the American um according to the American um dollars, the United States Department of Treasury is an estimated of seventy million dollars in counterfeit bills in circulation in America today. Then if you if you've ever seen one of those porn shows on T V that's pretty famous at the moment, um the biggest determining factor of the value of something is whether it's real or not. These guys make heaps of money or they lose so much money if something's real or counterfeit. A lot of the time they need to call in experts to come and tell whether, tell them whether it's real or whether it's fake and how much money they're going to pay a guy. And all these experts spend great times and periods of their life studying certain fields to be able to determine what is real and what is fake. The same way it should be like God's word for us. We can't discern what is false if we don't train ourselves on what is true. The best weapon we have against the enemy's lies is the word. 
is what we need to be using as a reference point for our lives in truth. Is the best weapon we have for discerning true teaching and false teaching and what is sin and what is righteousness. Ephesians 6.17 And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. We need to be studying the Bible as it is truth. We need to know the Bible so we can stand against the enemy's deceit. We must arm ourselves with truth. What brings me back to John 14.6 Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. Jesus came to show us what is truth and what truth looks like when rightly handled. Through his life, he reflects and represents perfect truth. With it, he rebukes the Pharisees. He speaks truth when Satan tempts him in the desert. In truth, he instructs his disciples and corrects false teaching. Like we see with Philip in John 14, doubt sets in by saying, show me the Father, and Jesus brings correction through truth. Through Jesus' words would sometimes start with truly, truly. When he did that, he was trying to get you to grasp and really pay attention to what he's going to say, and he's instructing in truth. He showed us how to live our lives true, in true truth, and free of bondage of false things in our lives. It's fairly ironic when Pilate asks, when Jesus was standing in front of Pilate, and Pilate asks, what is truth? Without it really knowing, Pilate had perfect truth and the origin of truth standing right in front of him. Jesus died for you and to save you from the wrath of God. There's only one way to the Father, and that's through the Son. And through those who believe in him, that is truth. He died and rose again, and through, through, and now he lives inside of us through the Spirit of Truth. John 13, uh, sorry, John 16, 13. When the Spirit of Truth comes, he will guide you and teach into all truth, but he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. We have truth living inside us. We have the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of truth. And the call on our lives is to bring glory to God and reflect perfect truth that is God. John seventeen seventeen, Sanctify them in truth. Your words is truth. John eight thirty two. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 1 Peter 1.22 Having purified your souls in obedience to truth, the sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly with a pure heart. 2 Timothy 2.15 Do your best to present yourself to God as one's approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of the truth. God will be in our lives. Uh, God's will for our lives is that we take our place fulfilling and believing in his truth and be part of his church of believers as truth bearers in a world full of lies. We should reflect the truth of the king and to the best of our abilities bring glory to his name and to him only. We need to read truth over our lives and know that God is 100% truth and all things he says are not lies, but they will come to pass. We need to take confidence in all things and rest in his peace. As we have learnt, God is truth, and in all that he does and all that he says and all these words is true in his promises. In turn, gives gives us confidence in his promises and hopes uh, found in him. Studying God's, God's word and living by the truth will set you free, as it says in John 8, 31 to 38. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
They answered him, we are offsprings of Abraham. We have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it they say we will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, he'll be free indeed. I know that you are the offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because of my words. find no place in you. I speak of what I've seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. The truth is freeing to, uh, to us before salvation and, and the gift of faith in Christ from the father. We are caught in bondage and sin. As Jesus says, you are like a slave to sin. The slaves will never enter the house. They don't remain in the house. As for sons, they remain in the house. So the truth will set you free, and the truth through Christ will set you free. But the moment we are saved, it's not the end of the story. We need to continue in the path with Christ to stay free. We need Christ to conform us into his image and represent him. As it, as it says, if you abide in the word, meaning to live a life, in the word to follow the, uh, follow the living, follow the life of Christ and obeying Christ and to continue believing in him and have faith in who he is and what he has done for us. And by this truth, we are set free through the truth of Christ represents and demonstrates we are set free from slavery and sin and set free into the truth of that is Christ is the only way to be set free, uh, free from sin. Christ is the way. Christ is the truth and Christ is the life. And this is the truth that we need to be living in. Christ showed us the way he represented and showed us the truth. He showed us, showed us the life that we have in him by living the way in the truth. In our lives, being, bringing glory to the Father and in turn, living a life worthy and glorifying to him what leads to life. Through the truth of God, we are set free. We can bring that freedom to the world that is full of false hopes and having no belief in anyone. If we represent Christ and the truth that Christ is bringing, the truth will set people free. Christ will set people free. Don't allow yourself to be deceived that God is mostly truth, like the devil used in the garden, but equip yourself by the word of truth. Allow Christ to change you and the truth will set you free from being a slave to sin to being a son of God. All is true. Christ is truth. Truth will set you free. We can take faith in that God is God of truth, not just sometimes, but all the time. He is the king of truth. What gives us confidence in his word it also means that, that all he says is true. All we need to do is live our lives. God has called us to a life of truth. As we know that all he has said and all he does is true. And all we, and all we need is Christ to be saved. If we know his word is true, there's two sides to how everything's going to end. There's going to be the guys that are for him and the guys that are against him. So take confidence and, and really search where you are. Where do you stand with Christ? Should drive us and push us to Christ, the truth, but it also should drive us to take the truth to the world as we know that, um, what's going to happen is truth, that it's God, the people that aren't saved will suffer God's wrath. Um, I reckon I'll leave it there for today. So we'll just pray. Father, we, we thank you that you are the king of truth. We thank you that you speak truth into our lives and that 
that um, we are saved by you and your grace and through Christ alone. We pray that we'll represent you, Lord, and represent your truth. And and re- um, through that, we just pray that you'll set people free. And would you use us and continue to guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au.